0: You're listening to Red Nation Online.
1: For us and we need uh, to be confident in our possibilities. So uh, this eliminatory for us has been a very good test, a very good uh, example, and we are happy with the result.
0: Tuesday, June 17th, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen, and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from BMO Field in Canada, advancing past Dominica and World Cup qualifying through a 4-0 win, 6-0 on aggregate. We look to the future and youth movement with the team, as much of our discussion revolves around Kyle Laren and Tesho Akindele. We also talk about Canada and the Women's World Cup, and wrap up discussing Toronto FC, a rare run of positivity around the team, and what's ahead for them. All this and more in the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Good. Beautiful. Good. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. They might have been calling for rain. And I think for the most part, you know, we have, I haven't logged on or really followed in any chatter post match, but I think overall the response will be positive. Yeah, I think sure. people will be happy how Canada played uh, tonight against Dominica, uh, especially considering the 2 0 result away. Mm-hmm. So we think we finished 6 0, move on to the next round, prepped up for the Gold Cup. And I think. You know some of the discussion that you can look at from this game is pretty thorough win with names still out of the roster still still out of the lineup um you can still look at opportunities for this team to be better
1: yeah i, I think so. that's
0: probably a positive way to look at this and when you look at the performance uh especially i think coming off the 2-0 game in dominica where i think there were some questions that you thought to yourself you know will this be better on home soil Mm-hmm. Will be better on a proper football pitch and not a cricket pitch. This and that, you know. Did those answers? Did we get those answers? And I think that we did.
1: Yeah, uh, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I
0: think, the, I think the first thing that uh, I think you and I should ping back and forth there, and that's you know, that's a little bit of a maybe debate going around and what people will be discussing. You know, is of course we have akandele who becomes cap-tied through these games. I think. Yeah, and I th- I thought it when he accepted the call up. And now it's been. I feel like it's almost sort of been confirmed. Is that I think that's. I think it's a major coup for the national team to yeah, bring in a player yeah, like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at this point in his career, uh, with that choice on the line, and then for him to come out and play like he did in the last game. Sure. Few games.
1: Like again, I think his other option being the states is limited compared to people who have options in the Caribbean or in countries that are have less depth. Um, you know, I know following American soccer quite closely especially at a younger level you know they already know players that they see two or three years down the road so it's difficult very difficult for a guy to come into the American team especially playing an MLS and especially to become a consistent American player so if I was Akadeli or his agent I would say Canada would be a better option for him because I do think it raises his value um, as a player overall because of his success now with the Canadian national team.
0: Yeah, and I think, of course, the other, I mean, it's this game for me and these two, these two games, it, it's been a, a tandem performance. Yeah, I think that has really stood out with Kyle Lauren and, and Akindele up front. And it's just something I, you know, even in the, the other discussion and the way that the team played... You know, and I'm looking back, obviously, on the last two qualifying cycles. You know, I just don't think we've had. I mean, obviously, two guys up top, yeah, who definitely. are who are huge. You know, it's over six feet, who are mobile, athletic, um, overall. I mean, Lauren, I would say maybe more technically is, is a little more technically proficient. Yeah, but um, the thing that I like the most about them, I think, is is their youth, and I think they're both coming, looking at this, saying, "This is this is my time." And I'm going to make a statement with these games and with this national team.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think for me, um, you know, I knew Alcandelli Okay. Um, you know, I've certainly saw him at the MLS. I was aware of him when he was at uh, Colorado Mines, although I didn't think that he would have this great rise to where he's at today. Um, <laughs> I think in terms of Kyle and I think <laughs> we are. I think all your special pods have been Kyle Lauren pods because we were doing the Sigma... Um, Cup game and Kyle Larson was talked about a lot there. We've done off season with drafts and Kyle Larson was talked there. We've done other special podcasts and Kyle Larson was a, was a was a conversation there. And you know I've always been high on him. What I like about him and you know slightly maybe a concern going into the future, but how motivated he was. Right, like if you know people saw the highlights of a game, he scored you know thirty yard screamer that we almost um pickpocketed he almost knew where he was going to kick it and turned around and celebrated before the ball went into the net um he tried a bicycle kick he he was very active in the box he should have got probably a penalty or two yeah um he surely got should have got calls in the box which he didn't you know there's a couple times he went down like he was an expected injury because a dominican guy kicked at him (laughs) yeah so um but he was motivated the whole game and he really wanted to play the whole game and he really wanted to succeed the whole game. And I think that's what we've seen with him in Orlando as well. And that is kind of, you know, the sort of my question regarding the Canadian national team is always been a combination of, you know, it's a weird thing. It's a weird dichotomy because it's number one, are they good enough? Are they quality enough? And then the other issue I have Canadian soccer since the pool's so small. You know they almost feel like, there's a word for it but they almost feel like they deserve a spot
0: yeah by right? default
1: by default and and that you know and and so they lose their enthusiasm because they don't have to fight for that position and they're kind of just in the team and if you don't pick some of the older guys especially you know a decade ago or five years ago you know they would be upset like hey you know even though I'm you know on unattached fc and haven't played in six months why am I not your starting center back or your starting midfielder right yeah i I think i mentioned this in the game one concern is is because like it's crazy the world cup schedule i think they play possibly 22 games until they get even to qualify for the world cup and realistically like i don't know if this team is good enough to beat costa rica to beat united states to beat mexico to beat potentially even el salvador and Honduras. and so the question is is if they're in a group and they're not favorite to win the group or they're struggling within a group are the players still motivated to play that six games or in the hexagon to play the complete 10 games and if they still feel that there's a purpose here and if it's not 2018 in Qatar, i mean sorry in russia it could be 2022 in Qatar, or canada or wherever yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah. right
0: um australia
1: yeah so you know and that's what we're hoping to see right it's not what the team is now it's how this thing develops down in the future
0: well and the and the one thing that i shared with you at the game that i can i say now is that you know we've you know i've met with the guys at sigma i've talked to bobby and costa um you know numerous times yeah and you know getting a sense of how they run their academy um it's it's not surprising to see kyle iron play like this yeah. look like he's motivated look like he's you know he's going to put it out there because that's kind of the culture I think that they bring these players up in um you know the, the I was saying there's the expression where they say you know any profession any any soccer player can sign their first contract yeah talk to me when you've signed your second yeah. I mean that's the mentality that they've instilled in,
1: in yeah and the irony is because of that motivation they're putting into the players and because they're pipeline of players you know in five years from now there could be half the Canadian team could be Sigma players and stuff like that, right? Yeah. You do. You even see that. That's why the Klinsman argument in the States, right? That's why he's going after these sort of German, German, half-German, half-American players because he doesn't feel the American players are motivated enough to play for the position and to, you know, for the shirt, right? And so that is a a key teaching point that you have to teach players that this is, you know, every day is... Don't want to be too dramatic, but every game's life and death, and you got to do—you got continually to prove yourself to, to be valuable, to be accepted, right?
0: Yeah. And the the one thing, yeah, you know, what, I'll save it till we till we exit the game. Might as well just like touch on. I mean, we we mentioned the the how this game started off. I mean, within four minutes, Acendelli scored the opening goal. Yeah. And I think the one thing that I was looking for in this game, and that I'm watching for with this Canadian team, is you know, do they have that mentality to be ruthless? Yeah. Do they have the motivation to bury a team that they should bury? Mm. And there's things that I think we need to look for. I it's probably too early at this point in qualifying to see. My biggest issue with the last round of qualifying is that I felt like the team was mentally weak. Okay. And I felt that, you know, the CSA and the coaching staff was naive okay. when it came to their opponents and what they'd be up against when they traveled on the road. Yeah, yeah. And But also, that's what I'm thinking of, like... You know, we had Honduras at home last round, and everyone seemed pretty okay with walking out with a nail, nail draw. Yeah. Which I think, which did come back to bite us in the ass. So those are some of the things that I'm looking for in these games, and I think a 4-0 win and the way that we won with, you know, numerous, the chances didn't stop. Yeah. Is (laughs) what was was positive to see from this game. And, um, you know, early on we saw what I thought was very good possession. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it mixed up through the game where they were playing these games wide, but they were also trying to, to work it through the middle. Uh, early on, it was it seemed more dominant out wide with sort of Ledgerwood linking up with Ricketts yeah. or Morgan on the other side with Akindele. Um, but no complaints with that. And then we saw, of course, them being able to work their way in and linking up with Kyle Arn. Uh Akindele's goal, the thing that I liked about him and what we're going to we'll keep talking about with these two guys is that, I mean, he, I think he had three shots in That opening twenty minutes, yeah, yeah, which is just I know I, I we might say this over and over. We might say it through the next round too. It's just it's not something I'm. the last round I seem to feel like you know we had to walk our chances in under the okay, goal. Okay. You know we, we you weren't seeing guys striking the ball from twenty five yards out yeah. very often or taking that opportunity. And we saw Acindelli do that, and of course he scored in the fourth. And then we saw Lauren on his goal just that incredible turn. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and and it's kind of it's the kind of strike where it's like you. It was. It just looked natural. Oh, uh, yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, they had some opportunities already from that, that point where they were they were working the ball around and they were just kicking it straight at the keeper. He learned from that. He saw what was going on, and he knew where he was going to strike the ball. And, of course, it was Yeah, well, it like, was interesting
1: because um, even right before Lauren's goal, um, Osorio took a shot. And I think he's the third name that we should talk about as the podcast continues. But he took a shot. Now, he didn't get it. He put... He took too much time to take the shot and he probably didn't put enough strength on the shot, but you saw him like aim, you know, we're playing against arguably, I don't know the Dominican goalie, but I assume an amateur goalkeeper, right? So you assume he's athletic enough to stop the ball if it hits him. But if you aim it for the top left corner, is he capable of going up there and reaching it and grabbing it? And so um, I think, you know, it's, it's always interesting with these when you see it because you don't know if it's the individual players um, you know, choice, or if that's even something that the coach would tell them, right? Like, this is a team that we can, you know, beat on the break or we, we can beat with the long shots and, you know, and take your opportunities when they come to you and don't be afraid to take a shot if that's your only option and things like that. Right? Yeah.
0: And uh, I mean, through that first half, I think we probably could have said there was an opportunity for that game to be 5 0. Um, you know, Ricketts had that point blank header. That the keeper saved. They kept they kept working it into the eighteen, encouraging on one hand, maybe a bit discouraging on the other hand. Because I think most people were saying, you know, at home this game has got to be four or five nil. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, when we were at the half, we ran into uh, Alex and our, our friend of the pod, Alex, and you know we were sort of like four nothing, four nothing will be, <laughs> I'll be satisfied with. It. And we all kind of like nodded in agreement, was like, I think we can pull that off. And uh, you know, pretty early on in the second half, Tosain Ricketts. Slots in a, a beautiful, it was Akandelier, if I'm not mistaken, to Ricketts. Yeah,
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Right where it had to be, and Ricketts is a guy who's known for, you know, his, I, would, I don't know if I'd necessarily call him a clinical finisher. <laughs> uh, he, seems to, he seems to know exactly where the keeper is and where to put the ball on him, but he uh, he finished it there, and he ended up in this game with two.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I like, you know, it's, it's interesting because analyzing Ricketts statistically, he doesn't sh- shine. And I'm always hesitant about him being a player that's an automatic on Canadians team, but when you actually see him play, he tends to be incredibly motivated, right? And so, and he saw that today, right? Like uh, Ackendelli and Warren were both subbed, but Ricketts played the whole 90 minutes, and he was running towards goal to the 90th minute, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, and he, I mean, he ends he ends up the game, <laughs> ends up in this game with a brace, which was hats off to him Yeah. Um, cuz i know that he was a player that was heavily criticized at the end of the last qualifying round because he had that opportunity oh, to score yeah, against the Honduras. Honduras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he didn't so uh maybe anthony Totera will give him a tip of
1: the hat this week on his show <laughs> i'm hoping so well uh, i think if we're going to talk about his second goal we have to talk about Oserio trying to do or doing the cryfe turn and then <laughs> and yeah and then, so then, he, then the, gets the ball back and does the wicked through pass yeah, and well, that was that was my
0: mistake yeah. for not <laughs> Leaving it in with that because that was uh, pretty impressive and I think Osorio you know I'm sort of I still am a, of, of the mind that I'm like he, I don't think he's quite there yet you know what I mean to sort of own yeah, yeah, yeah you know an attacking midfielder and, and sort of really owning the center of the park but you know he's made a case that there's something there to watch for
1: Well, and I think he's one, you know, we are talking about this in in TFC podcasts, is he's a guy who can work off Jovinko and and improve. But he's also a guy who's young enough with uh, Akadeli and Lauren to grow together with them, right? And and to gain his own confidence through their confidence, right? And be part of that team kind of thing. And so he's a guy you're probably going to want. You know, I think it's even interesting because... during the game, we were talking about that, right? We were almost looking at this team, but we're almost looking at the 2018 team or the 2020 team and young guys coming up and how they work well with these, with Lauren and, and Akandali as a stalwart, basically Mr. Canada and other guys who can work in with them. And I think offensively, at least, you know, the top five or whatever, I think Canada, you know, it's always a question because to us, they look very good, especially compared to past Canadian teams. You know, I do think Caf region in general is improving. So it's difficult to say, for me to say, this team's better in Costa Rica or this team's better in Honduras or, you know, matches Mexico or USA. But as a Canadian fan and to come out and support them, this is a team that you can really support and be a part of and and, and really go along with them. Yeah,
0: and I think the, again, the two things that we sort of have touched on that I think I want to exit the game on was the first part, I think. Like no David Edgar penalty? (laughs) Holy (laughs) shit. Thank you. Thank you to the
1: American guys a chance to cheer. Oh, yeah,
0: and and that's another, that's our sight and sound. Our sight and sound is, so we sat in the south end for the first half and then moved to the north end (laughs) for the second half. You know, I don't, I don't, I would say this. I don't have any love for the Central American nations Mm -hmm. that come here. I will give a little tip of the hat to the Car- Car- Caribbean yeah. countries that come because they know how to party. Yeah. There's well, no question about it. if you, listen, if you it.
1: listen to uh, Kamal's and I podcast, uh, my f- three favorite music are, are uh, dub uh, yeah. dance hall and, and, you know, and so so to play that, to be on course, like, honestly, you could have a record, you could have recorded this on your, on your mic and it would sound like a straight song like how in tune they were yeah and, you know rhythmically we yeah. rhythm kind of... section and oh, just wow, uh, it was
0: amazing yeah the, the sort of the, they didn't have drums but they were they're banging their feet on yeah on time and you're just like this is this is something and that's there's, what it is, there's a
1: reason why white people can't dance yes. <laughs> yeah
0: but uh, David Edgar, I don't know, I don't know what he was saying. I like, we were, I like
1: how he ran from. He almost ran from like his defensive position to take the I, penalty. Was the Lauren almost I, laughed when he had to give him the ball. Was,
0: and that's what I'm saying. Maybe someone can answer. Was this his birthday today? And <laughs> like that's the only thing I can think of. is like Lawrence there smiling? Be like, what is this? What's going on here? <laughs> And the only I thing did I say was,
1: uh, the one nice thing, and again, it says something about Lauren, and you know, not to be overly critical of Edgar, but after he missed, Lauren actually went to go, like, almost like a missed free throw in basketball, Lauren went to go and shake his hand and go, hey man, you know, good try or whatever, but. <laughs> it wasn't
0: well taken, that's the thing. I have a feeling Edgar must have been like,
1: my girlfriend's here,
0: <laughs> I want to impress her. Or or maybe he's maybe he's having a kid. Maybe I don't know he he wanted to put the ball in. his... I don't know. I just think there was there was a subplot to him taking that because he had no business doing it. But the two you know the two things I wanted to exit out of was you know looking at the performance, which I think was fairly encouraging. And again, like we mentioned, there's players that didn't come out to this camp or who weren't who who didn't play in this team. Yeah. And looking ahead to the Gold Cup, uh, and especially seeing if some of these guys will slot in. I mean. Osorio played well, but you can look at Tatiba Hutchinson in that role, yeah. and that be something to look for. And then, of course, you have someone like now. It's a question of debate of where Julian de Guzman is right now. I personally think that I might want to see a Piet uh, Will Johnson tandem mm. in defensive midfield. And then, of course, you know whether it's now or it's in the future. I mean, you look at that right attacking side, whether it's Ricketts or whether Petrasso looks like he might be a guy who get a look. Um, there are some attacking options I think that we can. Yeah, look and, and just to, to give
1: in. just to give a final Lauren and Acadella praise, and Lauren's like pretty much accustomed to this in Orlando, but realistically, even in the Gold Cup, if Canada is playing Costa Rica, they'll probably they might play Mexico, they might play United States, and so Canada will be a counter team. So to have that big guy, you know, who can go up front and can run very fast and can run on a break and could could um, bother defense and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think Lauren's an asset defensively and is an asset defensively as much as they are offensively just being, you know, who they are. Right. right. So I think that could benefit Canada in the long term.
0: And then of course the final thing that I wanted to talk about about this game that I think is interesting because it is a discussion that goes on a lot in here in Canada, that I think, you know, really the probably the two biggest talking points are gonna be Lauren and Accandele, two guys who have no association to an MLS academy, yeah, and went through the NCAA, sure, to get to where they are right now in MLS, and I think that is something worth discussing because it is something that it does grind my gears a little bit. How <laughs> I think it's, it's think it's, I think it's in Canada more how dismissive um, people are of the NCAA and how they sort of say, you know, it's it's a thing of the past, and you know, it's the academies are the wave of the future, and with this USL set up and this and that and
1: yeah, I think that's I think that's part of I think it's part of the MLS marketing, because I think MLS is trying to separate itself from NCAA. And they've certainly come and announced that NCAA is not the proper development thing, even though most of the successful players in MLS come through the NCAA system. I I was a fan of the USL, but what they're doing with the USL has confused me, right, because. Arguably, someone can go, you know, we've said this many times, so it's, it's, you know, we don't have to repeat ourselves in length, but someone goes to a American college, um, you know, they get a scholarship, they play a certain amount of games, and as you say, you know, very much so the um, athletic center, the training, the, the pitch might even be more better than what people have at USL level. But it gets, it's, it's free evaluation, right? You know, like these guys can play a couple years. And when I'm, you know, when we're talking Acadelli and Lauren, I'm not talking Acadelli and Lauren because I saw him in Canada and this, this is the first day I saw him and I love him. In the case of Lauren, he played two years at Connecticut. He was a dominant player in college. So that's allowed me to think this guy could be a, a dominant player in the MLS if he continues can to play this way. And Acadella played, I think he played 70 or 80 games in college in division two at the Colorado Mines. I think he scored about hundred goals. in in college. One could argue maybe these guys could have been found a bit younger and and they might lose one year or or in their whole career at the end of the day by playing those years in college. But to me, you know, especially for what MLS is and Canadian national team, um, you know, I think it's beneficial to their development. Yeah. And that's
0: you look at if I want to compare and contrast and I you know don't mean to make any contrast through the pot, but, you know, we're talking Kyle Lauren, and we're talking Akindele, but especially, you know, Lauren's getting so much discussion. And for the last few years, the, the future Canadian striker has been Jordan Hamilton. Yeah. Where, like, where is he? He's nowhere in this discussion. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that, especially when you look at last year, I know people say, oh, he was at Wilmington and then he went to Portugal. I think if he had went to Maryland last year <laughs> yeah. and even was there this year, he would be further along and be more beneficial for him in yeah. his, his, his entire career than what he's gone through so far.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree. I think I think to Hamilton's defense, Lauren's athletic skill is so dominant that he probably is going to mature quicker than Hamilton. And <laughs> Someone could go archive this podcast years from now. But I think the MLS is going to realize this is a mistake, right? Because... You know, there's right now with TFC Academy, and Montreal Academy, and Vancouver Academy, there's 18-year-old players, 17-year-old players, who are probably not, even if they develop properly, even if they become top-of-the-line players, they're probably not gonna play for TFC in five or six years, right? And you're paying these guys 25,000 bucks a year. So basically Toronto FC is committing like 200, 300, you know, 150,000 in salary, plus 100,000 in, you know, their everyday training and stuff, and development right and it's you know for a league that claims you know they have financial issues and they do all this other goofy stuff it just seems like a bad decision in, in hindsight right or i mean in hindsight this seems like it's going to be a bad decision in years from now when they realize this didn't work out as we thought it would right yeah
0: yeah the, really what the point is i'm not i don't think i want to say like this is this is the only way or it's a pro or a con it's just that in north america there are numerous development streams and it's i do get frustrated when you have or when people say, you know, this is one that should be fully X'd out.
1: Yeah. And to be fair, if, if Triumph C, just using Toronto C as an example, if they're willing to develop their players for two or three years in USL, we can have this conversation. I can give a more fair assessment of a cello or, or, or um, you know, Hamilton or, or you K know, K or, or, something, or yeah, yeah. a K or someone like that, because I'll have a track record of proof how they at least competed against comparable competition and then translate that to what they could possibly do in the MLS. The problem, the other issue is is their own motivation, right? Because I assume you're going to get incredibly excited when you sign that pro contract. You're, you know, your head and everything around you saying, I'm going to be a pro soccer player. And then you got to give another three years of development to get to that place of being a pro soccer player, right? Yeah, so playing it's, in it's, shitty stadiums <laughs> in front so of like... So it's the player's motivation people. as well, right? Where again, College kind of protects that, right? Because well, you, got, <laughs> you got a whole bunch of college benefits <laughs> that, you know, you're not gonna get at the USL, right?
0: Yeah. So there yeah, if, and if we circle out of this this Canada game, of course we're looking ahead to the Gold Cup will come out next. So that will be something where we're gonna see uh what Canada can do against a stiffer competition. And then they'll probably be looking to the next round of qualifying. And of course, it would be kind of absurd to be doing a podcast talking about Canada soccer we didn't mention anything about the women's world cup oh, okay yeah. um and then of course we're gonna we'll circle out of that and just touch on Toronto FC to stay true to the east side stand-up uh <laughs> you know mandate um
1: yeah, yeah, we, we shared all four sides of the stadium today or yeah yeah three. pretty much we walked around most of and uh, we walked <laughs> around all, all
0: yeah them. all sides all, most of the stadium they almost didn't let us into the north end I don't know what that guy's problem was but we're looking at this uh world cup what did you do? did you anything that you wanted to just to go over
1: on that or anything I kind of, um, um, you know, I think they lucked, I thought the penalty, I didn't think they deserved the penalty against China. And if they drawed three games, their position would be a lot different now than it is. You know, I thought, I might have been the only one, but I thought China, New Zealand, and I thought Netherlands would actually be the easiest of the three. But I thought uh, China and New Zealand would be difficult games. And, you know, the way... You know luckily Canada to canada's benefit they are the home nation and these tournaments are designed to give the home nation because they'll get the biggest attendance the the easiest draw right so they get the worst third place team in the next round right which will probably be thailand or you know, someone yeah, like that or, Coast, I think or something is the other okay in the mix. so so that should be an easy or an, a relatively easy game and then they play and then they play what you had to play right yeah. you know you're realistically gonna play Norway in the next round or, you know, that's what it looks like it's gonna be. And then the, after that, you're gonna play the winner of Japan and, and Brazil. To, just to give some hope for Canada, I think the team in generally was designed to play against the more established teams. You know, I don't think Canada was a team that could dominate an opponent, right? I think they're, a, you know, they're a committed team. They're um, technically, you know, good. And so I think, you know, I think they'll be a somewhat of an underdog against uh, Norway and definitely an underdog against Japan and Brazil, but they could draw those games, out, right? Yeah. Penalty kicks or whatever. right? Yeah, I
0: think that. The, my thought about it is, my my head is like, they're not going to get past the quarters. You know, if I look at the way they played so far. Okay. Okay. But my gut says, back in the Olympics, they sh- there's no way they should have beaten France. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like I think that's I think that's the one thing I will give this this Canada team is they've got that sort of X factor about them that they can dig deep in games that should be losses. They can turn into a win. And that's the only thing that I wouldn't, that I'm not going to discount them on that. Like we said, like they, Norway, maybe Japan, Brazil, but we've just seen it with them before where, and it's just like a game that's that important. It's like, we haven't seen much from Christine Sinclair so far. Um, Mostly because I just, yeah, I, just, I think she's coming to an end. But. Yeah, and I just don't think she's getting, she's just getting terrible. I don't think she's getting great service. Yeah, true, true. Right, I, I just think the players around her aren't
1: up on her level. Well, I would also say it's kind of unfair to them. And I, I had this feeling going into the tournament that let the tournament be the tournament. And I think the tournament in generally was overhyped and like the whole tournament. And so I think there's some consequences to that. But I also think the Canadian team was definitely overhyped. In terms of how successful they're going to be, and you know, it's we're I guess Canadian soccer is the Italian <laughs> version of the best soccer, but uh, you know, as I said, it only takes a couple of penalty kick wins, and you're in the semifinals. And, you know, yeah. you're, you're in the championship, right? Yeah. And and so yeah, I I think you know I knew number one that most of the people covering the tournament didn't know much about the tournament. Certainly didn't know much about the other teams. Didn't know about a lot of stuff, and so they're kind of winging it. And then I knew that there was going to be a lot of praise but one of the biggest issues in sports in general and we certainly talk about this with tfc and we certainly talk about this with canadian soccer is fake praise is probably the worst thing you want in sports right because it you know it gives people don't know expectations that shouldn't be out there right
0: yeah yeah and if we maybe segue into the last part of this podcast, you know, uh, to tie it into saying, you know, the, what, the Geovinkel Praise
1: Day. Well, well, I was gonna say if we're gonna if we're gonna
0: talk about a team built around one player who, who all their hopes are riding on.
1: Hey, let's talk about Toronto <laughs>
0: FC. What do you what do you know? A team like that, where all of a sudden, holy shit! Like you can't. <laughs> it's you could I could see it unfolding like every every week. This way, the season started. You know, the first couple of games, he was easing into it. And he had a, you know, one nice goal, and then you saw it was the Portland game that he just was – it was 90 minutes. It was like the Giovinco. Yeah. It was a Giovinco yeah. show. Yeah. And now it seems every week is going to be the Giovinco. And now you're hearing everyone being like, is he the best DP ever? Could he be <laughs> the most dominant player? And you're, you're kind of thinking, yeah, uh, yeah, talked about that already. <laughs> That's cool. And it's almost like that. I find the nature – I. You know, when people start jumping on that stuff, it's like my gut reaction is to now start doing the opposite. You know, oh, saying, yeah, yeah, know they definitely, start saying, start just sort definitely. of saying, you know, pointing out the fact that it's like, you know, if he wasn't on, if you know, if he goes down to injury, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys cope without yeah, him in yeah. the field. Is this gonna team going to be is really that good? And it's a question; it's not a statement. And I think it's a legitimate one.
1: Well, and again, I think <laughs> just to just to say, uh, you know, give a point of view. I'm not confident that Toronto FC is much smarter, even though Dravenko is playing better. Um, I think in, in some ways within the TFC system, they still think this is Altidore's and Bradley's team, and that's how their mindset's based and how they're developing the team for the future. That's where their mindset's set. And if I was in charge of Toronto FC right now, start taking low risks, very low risk, in terms of finance and, and you know taking shots and stuff like that, but there are players who you think will adapt with Giovinco going into the future. Now, the one interesting thing is Giovinco, I believe he's, yeah, Giovinco's 28 or 29, so it's a younger brother. Giovinco's a younger brother who's 24, who's playing in Series C in, in, in Italy. And he's certainly not as good as Sebastian, but he is a talented player. He scores goals at that level. And you could arguably get him to come, you know, he'd probably stay at his brother's house. So you could probably get him to play for Toronto he at minimal salary. And that would be an exciting thing, you know, please Juvenco, And he might, you know, arguably, we're you know, we're judging this on the talent of the MLS. The other one is there's a guy, you know, Kamal and I've been talking about, because Kamal recently went to a trip to Jamaica but there's a Jamaican player named Cardinal Benebao who plays for Harrisburg and, and Harrisburg just beat, no, they tied TFC, TFC fluked it out, Roberts had like 11 saves. And this guy just dominates, he's a little guy and he just runs with the ball and no one knows how to stop him. Similar Giovinco in um, Toronto. And then the final thing is uh, last year when I was doing my MLS predictions or my MLS draft predictions, there was an Italian player playing at the same level a division, NCA Division II and uh, um, he now is an FC London in the PDL and he's dominating FC London in PDL. He has like 18 shots in four games. And he's another guy that Toronto C could bring in even for TFC two at a very low salary, who would work well potentially with Giovinco at the MLS level. And so it's a sort of, you know, always when it comes to Toronto C is Toronto C is a club team. And the club team is not about next week or next three weeks, it's about you know, what's this team going to be this season, next season, you know, to the future for now. and Yeah. And so, but again, I don't necessarily see Toronto FC. I'm enjoying the success and I'm going to be part of the success. And I think, you know, certainly the signing of Rue and some other guys, you know, um, who knew Konopko would be a great goal. (laughs) Oh, Konopka.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Hey, and that's, that's the other thing that I wanted to to touch on too, was, uh, I mean, this was something that we talked about at the start of the season. I We thought we'd be talking about Bono, uh, but it's been Konopka. But, Another thing where it just kind of goes to show that, you know, there is sort of this generic, I, I don't want to say, generic's a, not really a great word to describe it, but there's the generic North American keeper that sure. is perfectly serviceable in MLS. Sure. And I've thought for a long time that that's really kind of what Joe Bendik is. And if Joe Bendik can come in and, you know, overtake Milos Kosic, who was a yeah. decent keeper, and, yeah. and before him, Stefan Fry who I've never seen anything better from that, then there's no reason why Kanopka can't come in. Well, in and, and again, I
1: think they lucked themselves into it, but Toronto now is in the perfect situation, which we were suggesting, especially two years ago when Toronto was out of it, that play two keepers, right? And and put the hockey keeper in that. And if the that guy, you know, doesn't do well, then then allow the other keeper an opportunity and make some guy win that jersey. And now it's interesting because Kanopka is winning that jersey right now. Yeah. But hopefully, knock on wood, if know, allows four or five goals, Bendick will be, able, or, you know, or doesn't play well, Bendick would be given an opportunity to take that position back.
0: And that's sort of the thing that I've thought, because I've seen there's been a debate being like, you know, he's the number one, he's the number one. Guess what? They're actually both probably backup caliber keepers. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And oh, yeah, and they're yeah, feeding yeah.
0: and I that's what I thought. Yeah, Julio
1: Cesar was number one. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you know like it's these inter- guys, neither And the thing are. is the <laughs> best
0: I think the best performance we've seen from Nick is when he's sort of come off breaks, Or when he's had to like when he when he came mm. in after um Cesar left, he was good out of the gate. Oh, okay. Because he okay. was coming back in. You know, he was I think he wanted to grab that position. But when we've seen him through long stretches, to me he's just seemed very like a yeah, I just average.
1: I just don't, you know, to me, it's the automatic, right? Like, why does this guy deserve an automatic name on the starting 11 when what's he done to prove that, right? And yeah. so it just seems lazy management or lazy team decisions or, you know, things like that than anything else. But.
0: Yeah, and of course, Toronto FC is right now uh, looking ahead to uh, New York City FC this weekend, yeah. probably before their last game I, against D.C. I might have sort of been humming and hawing, but they went into D.C., and and took that game, and now all I'm thinking is there's more games. Now we're getting in this territory where I'm thinking there's more games. You know, I can I can only go off from what I've seen.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's no, the way no, I, judge I this will team. say I will say that I did watch the New York City FC home game against Montreal this week, and New York City FC looked good because Villa played right, and it's been interesting because he was actually he hasn't been consistent as Giovinco, and there was a story where he was actually pulled out of a game, upset, like, early in the game, like 60th minute in the game, and Jason Christ taking this sort of godlike figure and taking out the DP and stuff like that and became a big story. But in the last game, he was motivated, right? And so it'll be interesting in the next TFC game, if both, like, you know, it could literally be the Villa versus Giovinco show, and you will can see both of that, you know, one-man sort of mountain on both sides kind of thing. But, you know, to the benefit of Toronto... I think Bradley and El will both be back, and I think they're both healthy. So it will be, you'll, you'll also see Toronto at full force, which will, you know, should be a good.
0: Yeah, and I think that's for, for us. I mean, we talked about the, the positive thing again, going off from what we've actually seen is that before the game against DC, we were starting to see what you'd want from Michael Bradley,
1: which yeah, is actually yeah.
0: in a defined role yeah. and, and linking up with. Jovinko and Altador, and even Sheru playing in a, in a defined like that's just the thing is that before maybe a month before and in, in, in the last year it just was like let's throw out our best players and let them run around and be our best players yeah 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 and and they'll call the shots and they'll tell us where they're gonna play and now I think we're, so I'm interested to see uh, this weekend uh, what that shape is if we go back and see another San Jose game
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: and I think if we do see something along those lines, you know, it probably won't be three one, but if if they come out like they have in the last couple games, then I think there's no reason why Toronto shouldn't come away with another home win.
1: Yeah, oh, certainly they should be favored. And yeah, I agree with that.
0: And I think uh, you know if we close it out, I, it's. Uh, I have all these other, you know. It's, I'm like, could I ping back to Canada? I could talk about support for Canada and all this stuff. But you know what? There's going to be so many games oh, over it's this double
1: digits at BMO Field. It's it's like it's like the you know, the summer of victory. It's
0: yeah, <laughs> and we'll have a gold. We're going to have a gold cup game there this summer. That's going to be exciting. See if we can pull out more than the Costa Rican. Te- Their Costa Rican supporters
1: in the city and Jamaican because it's one of those shared stadium, isn't yeah. it?
0: It is, because, yeah, yeah, Jamaica will be playing uh, before us. So, it'll be the 6 o'clock game. I think Canada's on the 8 o'clock game mm. that night. So, yeah, whether they, they hang around. Bad memories from 2008. I think it was, was it October 2008 or September. Anyways, let's oh. not go there. Let's just leave it at that. You know, g- good positive things as for We circle back again to Canada, and it's like ex- it was exciting, these last two games. Uh, encouraging to see Kyle Lahren and, and Tashawak Kendele out there. And... The one thing we didn't mention is maybe that will, seeing these young guys who look motivated, who are clearly like interested in being a part of this team, will that get guys who are sort of humming and ha? Will it make a guy like Ethan Finley say, mm-hmm. this? you know, the same description you gave of, of Anacondele, saying, you know, for Ethan Finlay, it would make more sense for you to play for Canada.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, than the U.S. program where you really haven't been a part of it.
1: Yeah, and generally I think it's a good, you know, it's a good time to be adding on TFC, adding on, you know, Vancouver and, and Montreal. It's a good time to be a Canadian soccer fan, right? Like, as, you know, we've talked about this in the past, but Canada, soccer is certainly in its heyday comparison to history, and, and hopefully it will continue to grow from here.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to it, so uh, we'll leave it on that. I'll be back on uh, the weekend, or you'll hear from me early next week, yes, after Toronto and New York City, and then uh, going through those games, and we'll probably do some Canada ones through the Gold Cup, something to watch forward to in July. Uh, we'll leave it at Aaron. You are at EMB Sports, but also oh, at Prospect, prospect Eleven. 11 yeah. That's your project. Um <clears throat> The what do you you call it? CONCACAF world, CONCACAF central scouting, Canadian central scouting, so to speak, (laughs) something like that. I mean, you're putting a profile. Yeah, yeah. We
1: we are, I think, the most exciting thing we're doing now. I think if you haven't read um, Kamal's experience in Jamaica, I think that's worth a read um, just for his experience, but also to learn about soccer in that country. Um, I think the most exciting thing for us coming up is we're hopefully doing something with the Pan Am Games and the Pan Am Games should have, you know, to our story tonight, should have an exciting Canadian team because it's the Canadian U22 team. But then also historically South American countries in the Pan Am Games put up, you know, this is a trophy or this is a medal they want to win. So arguably the three or four South American teams there and even the couple of Central American teams might have players who will be really interesting to watch for the future.
0: Great. Okay, so uh, we'll leave it on that. People can catch you there. And, of course, you can get me at Clark Rno or email at info or have your say at Red Nation Online. We'll leave it that, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Canada gets through, going okay, to the Gold Cup, and uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> We want you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury the footy roundup and our interview series thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time